Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. We took a week off due to uh, travel and signing day and all kinds of mess aboutness. Myself, I was in San Francisco for uh, not the Super Bowl because I didn't want to stay for that. I was driving a really fast car. And uh, so we're actually going to do a show this week. Hey, we're going to talk about signing day. Hey, and before we introduce any of the usuals, I got to say we got a special guest, uh, Jason Kirk. I lied. I'm going to introduce Jason. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that special. <laughs> and no, you're not the special guest. I'm going to ask you to introduce our special guest. Uh, standing six foot seven, weighing in at 275 pounds. Oh, come on. That's, that's, that's proportionate that's for rock. six, seven. Yeah, that's what, that's what the rock weighs. Dude, he's like, yeah, he's like, no, he's like 255, man. I know he's billed as 275, and wrestlers never lie about their weights. <laughs> never. Okay, fine. Six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Mm, there we go. Okay. Uh, Bud Elliott, national recruiting director at SBNation.com, founder of Tomahawk Nation. Uh, someone to follow online for photographs of him <laughs> wielding a cat with a leash. <laughs> the, Famed. The internet's most popular man. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Now, Ryan has a story, by the way, about how famous Bud is. If you don't know Bud, Bud, um, among many other things, Bud has uh, a spouse who could kill Fia- all of us. Fiance. They're not, they're not hitched yet. Yeah? No, not hitched yet? No. That's no. coming up. Well, she's from Louisiana, so. So are you saying that she's just a verbal commit at this point? I'm saying all laws are, all laws are suggestions there. You gotta I think she's a, she's a solid verbal, uh, and we're actually going to get this thing signed Next couple of weeks, we may not actually announce the facts in, until late March, but uh, 
<laughs> silent commit. Yeah, exactly. And in true Florida State fashion, she's there's another fellow on the side that she's still stringing along. Just because <laughs> Bud wants her to. <laughs> just, recruit, just to wreck his class. <laughs> re- recruiting all the time. Because, you know, that guy could go to Florida. So, you That's know, true. you got to lock him down, too, just to keep him from going somewhere else. But you, um, Ryan, this is how famous Bud is, if you don't know, on the Internet. Ryan has a friend yeah. who we were discussing in our pre-show meeting, uh, gave us a little indication of Bud's fame. My, my A buddy of mine from high school and my freshman year roommate at Florida texted me out of the blue, and this is all he said. I'm on a cruise with Bud Elliott's fiance. And I responded that this was in easily the top five of text messages I did not expect to receive from uh, my friend Sean. And about six, seven hours later, he texted me a picture of him on a cruise with Bud's fiance Maggie. And it was very, it was very special. It was very, very special. I, and I imagine it was good for her, too, that she was on her bachelorette cruise and some random man was like, hey – that's Bud Elliott's fiance. <laughs> Bud, two, which is not creepy at all. Bud, two, two things. One, what is your opinion on a cruise as a vacation? Uh, I am not a big fan of cruises. I think it's a good way to like take Midwesterners around and then kind of twirl them around in the Gulf and feed them buffet style. Uh, oh, I'm hearing, but, I'm hearing Michigan spring practice. Yeah, hey. Uh, that's the next frontier. Well, well, once the SEC kicks them out of, of IMG, it's international waters, man. So they're going <laughs> <laughs> hardball international waters. They're setting up exactly what is it? Two hundred fifty-one miles offshore, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with a pirate patch on his eye. <laughs> <laughs> is that sword real? Come fight me, <laughs> Urban. I'm telling you, it just ends with Urban Meyer screaming, "I'm the captain now." Mm-hmm. That's how this. That's how this ends. So, have you been on a cruise before? I have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like probably ten years ago, I think. Okay. How did it go? I, the parts I remember, I, I think, were, were, were pretty fun. Um, but the only thing about a cruise is this: you know, you're, you're cruising to a destination, but it's like the only vacation where the, the vast majority of your time is taken up actually getting there and coming back, as opposed to enjoying the destination. Which I don't know. It's kind of the the ocean looks pretty much the same for. The vast majority of your trip, it's it's kind of boring. Ryan, have you ever been on a cruise? Oh hell no. No, I'm not getting. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I mean, I will say this. So my ten year high school reunion was a few years ago, and the organizers of said reunion at first wanted to do a booze cruise in Tampa, Saint Petersburg, which was immediately vetoed because nobody wants to go on a high, to a high school reunion where you are trapped and you can't leave. Because uh, you're on a boat. It Go was the her. worst idea I've ever heard. Uh, Jason, have you ever been on a cruise? Man, I still keep a bag in my desk drawer of condiment packets that I haven't used yet to save a few nickels. So no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not from the side of the tracks so we can afford cruises. No, no. See, I think you have, you, you have a misapprehension of how much, how much value there is in a cruise and or how much it costs. I can't well, they are even so look, cheap. brother. I can't even look. <laughs> they won't even let folks like me look at the boat. Wait, that's because you're a part of the uh, you're a part of the like money in the fridge club, right? <laughs> Listen, my granddaddy and I used to wash plastic cups. They ain't gonna let me on on one of them boats. Yeah, no, no, no. Are, are you saying you couldn't even be in steerage? What? 
<laughs> Bud, Bud is using Floridian nautical terms. Which he is translate for the layperson. Using water law, your words, Bud. Yeah, water law. That's, yeah, that's, that's, mar- that's, that's maritime. That's maritime uh, law. No, no, this is a different thing at FSU law. It's it's water law. Water law. We dumbed it down for everybody. Hey, some folks in Georgia need that water law with the oh, whole fight man. y'all are going on with Tennessee. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, you, gotta, you just have to immediately start cracking on water rights. This is negative recruiting. Yeah, our biggest weakness. <laughs> you sure you want to go to Georgia? You might, you might, you might just you, die you might, drought. You might dehydrate. Um, but with Butch Jones, the way he's got it cooking. I mean, my, my, my other question is this. Now, you're, you're, you're going to be married, and I think everyone who has been married who is male, I don't know about female, I won't speak to it. I've been to a bachelorette party where I was the maid of honor, uh, and I will tell you this. It was great. Bachelorette parties are far superior. Women are just better at having fun. Uh, most bachelor parties, sad affairs. Like, they're just kind of sad, overrated affairs. What, what do you have planned for yours first? Actually, did it over the weekend. We initially planned on Austin, uh, and then we realized, like, our whole group is in about a billion weddings this year, so let's just do uh, something closer to home. And so we did Tampa, played some golf, uh, got pretty hammered, so I'm not sure I remember the entire weekend. Definitely uh, ended up at the strip club. And nobody got arrested, which was good. And uh, um, was actually more tired than uh, than hung over the next day because it, you know some of the strip clubs in Tampa, well, they're some of them are pretty decent quality, I guess. <laughs> they're exhausting. Well, right, but you can't. You, they, they don't serve alcohol, and they make um, you do P ninety X. Well, right, yeah. So it, <laughs> it's part yeah. of t- it's it's a, instead of hospitals, Tampa's just doing uh, health, you know, like gym classes at strip clubs now. It's now, actually so pretty smart. You can bring your own alcohol in. If you buy one of the cups in the strip club, take it outside, grab the bottle that I guess you've hid in the bushes, uh, and, and then fill it up with liquor and, and then bring it back inside, and they will sell you a mixer. Uh, but none of us had the forethought to uh, do that. So, so you can like smuggle anything in that's like as long one, as you use their cup? That's like one of those riddles where it's like, okay, a tiger, a monkey, and a lizard are on one side of the beach, and you have to transfer you know them I'm on a raft. Here? Right. So but my this, buddy bought a Red Bull. This is money laundering. This is what this is. <laughs> oh, no, not in Florida. No. We can, <laughs> we can use these cups to launder money. So he bought a Red Bull, and the girl's like, would you like to have a $6 cup? And he's like, for my Red Bull? And she looks at him like he doesn't he doesn't understand right. the gig, which, it's which like, he doesn't. It's like speakeasy code. And she's like, well, if you had to take it outside, you could bring it back in uh, in the cup. God, this is Tampa as fuck. Yeah. It is. Listen, I'm not selling you a gun. I'm just shaking <laughs> your hand for $4,000. And what pay that? for the gun, you pay for the the there, bullets. There have the free gun. There happens to be a gun in this snack pack. I'm adding it's lunchable. <laughs> this is school lunch. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have the national championship there in 11 months. Yeah, this is just gonna be uh, like you. You thought you had a bad time in Arizona, which I didn't. Arizona's fine. It's Atlanta. Okay. It's well, yeah. It's what? It's the land of it's a land of high priced, high quality chains. That's what that's what it is. And Tampa, Tampa's. You know, just wait. We will just eat. Choose. We will eat a lot of Cuban food, though. Man, I'm going to La Terracita. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm going to the Columbia. It's all happening. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna uh, go to. We're just gonna go to the the place near my high school that just sells Cuban bread. You just go there in the morning. You're just like, yep, coffee and bread, please. This is perfect. 
Yeah. Carve it up. I live like a prisoner. <laughs> a prisoner of carbohydrates. This is why this is why the Arkham games are so appealing to me. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but yeah, this is this is my my bachelor party was underwhelming. I mean, it was just underwhelming. It's just kind of an underwhelming experience because you realize like uh, you know, that classic rager behavior is basically like a sociopathic Olympics, right? <laughs> like let's let's go out. Yeah, let's Engage in the strip club industry, one of the most uncomfortable group experiences on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I just Oh, and the ATMs went down. That was funny. Watching people like trying to figure out what they were gonna do when they didn't have yeah, that was uh pulling out checkbooks the, and bartering. I, <laughs> like, yeah. This is why I have all my money in Bitcoin. Make it windy. <laughs> make it <laughs> make it disruptive to make it Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> well, um, I do want to discuss Signing day, because that did happen, and I think it's something that more than anything else in uh, our fair sport requires some translation, because it's super important. Correct, but like we've done tons of studies, tons of little surveys that basically show if you don't get four and five star recruits, then uh, guess what? You're you're not going to be real good. Just true. Well, you may be able to be pretty good. We just don't know if you're actually going to get the ring. Um, you know, if you want to win the whole thing. You got to kind of recruit pretty well. It, signing day was kind of—I don't want to say it was boring, but uh, we didn't have anybody. No mom took off with the national letter of intent this year. Nobody announced to one school and then faxed to another. I think the maybe the most dramatic thing we had was already planned, and that was this one kid saying, "I'm actually going to wait to see if I get admission into Stanford, and if I don't, then I'll pick a school in a month or two. Which, like, but, what kind of a, what kind of drama is that when like a recruiter's like? I'd like to see if I get into this academically prestigious university. So please pause. Right, and and he told us he was going to do it beforehand. Yeah, this so, was this was the kid, by the way. Notre Dame drove their truck to his house, their equipment truck. Uh, yeah, because you know, a, a guy who's really interested in academics, that's going to be what sways him. What happened after that? Hey, we're here. Cool. They just left it there. It's his oh, now. Okay. Uh, Did didn't they take it to the school too? Yeah, yeah it, it went from his house to the high school, where uh, I think that's where we lost track of it. So you guys <laughs> lost wanna, it. It's you there. guys want to go to Burger King? We can't pay. <laughs> I was Notre Dame work. has a has a home and home with uh, Savannah High School now. <laughs> we, we also can't use the drive through. <laughs> this was yeah. I was going to say now this was in Georgia, correct? Savannah. Yep. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. It's, it's a whole truck full of Zaxby's. So yeah, good. There's a real good chance that that truck is now a contraband. Right, and like a one percent chance that that truck is currently running beer back and forth from Texarkana to Georgia itself, <laughs> with Notre Dame still on it. With Notre Dame, <laughs> it's, it's down, in, down, down, in, down in Juarez, reading ND Nation. So, do you think Brian Kelly rode down in that truck, or do you think he sent some staffers no. to drive the truck down, and he flew I, down and hopped the truck? I think he. I think he back in the in the Lambo in the back. No, and I think he, he I think out. he put like a lifelike mannequin of himself in the passenger seat just so people on the highway would think it was him. But then he flew down. And so you're saying a Brian Kelly that was not screaming? I can't picture it. <laughs> well, I mean, do they paint it purple? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's the thing. It's color adjustable. It's like the, it's, it's like, like a it's, it's like, like a yeah. it's like a mood ring you can have sex with. It, okay, it's, it's hyper. <laughs> we'll go with that. 
Yeah, that and uh, that and this. It, but I wanted to ask, just in general, if you were to list like the three schools who had a pretty good time, like who just you know who did pretty well, uh, who would they be? Uh, well, Alabama, uh, shockingly here, went from I think number nine or number eleven to start the week, and then they started. Uh, I don't want to use the word cutting, but they started clearing room in their class. Uh, uh, cutting, cutting. Uh, yeah. in, clearing inventory. It's like forest management. Reallocating resources. So they were they did that with some kids who had been committed to them for almost a whole year, uh, and in-state kids. And so my first thought was, you know in Star Wars where uh, uh, Obi-Wan says that's that's no moon, and they realize it's the Death Star? Yeah. That was kind of like that moment for Alabama. It's like, well, maybe this is the year Alabama won't sign the number one class. I think this was like Monday or, or Sunday. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. Oh, no, they're, they only have 17 kids in their class, and they just cut one of them to get down to 16. Like, if they really need to clear nine spots for signing day, something big's probably going to happen. And it and did. It they, did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the kids did. that people thought might go to Florida and Georgia and, and all those other surrounding states uh, didn't. They, they decided that they were going to go to Alabama, one of which, by the way, was a uh, Ben Davis, the best inside linebacker in the country. He's an Alabama legacy. His dad is the leading tackler in the history of the school. Wait, wait, who's, his, like, who's his dad? Uh, what is his name? I wrote about him. Um, Davis. Yeah, he was at the signing ceremony. Bama um, Davis. I'm going to say his dad is Sam Shade. I'm just going to put that out there. Sam Shade. His name, his name is his Wayne. His dad is his, Cornelius Bennett. His name is Wayne. <laughs> Wayne Davis. That's Wayne. right. Johnny Wayne. Um, <laughs> So but people yeah. thought he might actually not go to, to Alabama, and I, which I thought was kind of silly. It was like, really, same as not going to miss on this kid. And I so, would also like to add that I have serious questions about Chewbacca's academic eligibility. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see him play at Alabama. He, he seems to have transferred all over the place. I, I, you know, I don't know if, if some of those classes are, are actually going to take. Well, and um, he's pretty clearly got a handler. <laughs> No, no one, no one can even get to him without that that other guy, that shady character. It's true. It's true. Listen, you're not recruiting Chewbacca. You're recruiting Han. Hey, he's just trying it's, to. You, he, anytime you enter the, the the room, you find the grandma. He's just trying. Case, so, so loves the grandma. He's just trying to build a church in the cantina. <laughs> That's all he's trying to do. Just make a donation or two. Okay. It's real simple. It's real simple. Uh, the other question I, I would have is this: uh, Who uh, you had Alabama? Uh, who else? Who else could we say? Okay, pretty nice day. Uh, I would have to say Florida State and Texas. Uh, FSU added uh, like six, four, and five star prospects. Ended up with pretty clearly the best offensive line class in the country. And uh, in all, they they signed uh, eighteen four and five star kids, uh, including a nice close, which for Florida State fans, very happy about because last year they didn't close on anybody. Uh, and then Charlie Strong. Went from being rated in like the 30s a couple weeks ago uh, to finishing with with a top 10, top 15 type class, depending on where you look. Now a lot of that was on defense. They, they did need defensive help. They also needed offensive help. They didn't get quite as much of that, but they they really cleaned up. And and uh, I, I'm so impressed with what Texas has done, just because it, 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 the, the sale of playing time is not quite as, there, there as much for them anymore. The, the newness of the coaching staff has kind of worn off a little bit. They've lost what seven games. Two years in a row, and yet they're still, um, they're they're still recruiting well. He, he's still getting talent to come to Austin. That's should be a pretty easy place to recruit to. But kids seem to be buying into this idea that Charlie is, is going to be there uh, for the long term. 
Well, like, but, to me, the, the thing about this Texas class is it's kind of easy to say, okay, y'all are making too much of a, like, I think it finished number 11 in the composite, which, you know, it, it, they had an awesome signing day, but the class as a whole, it's not rated all that high. But the thing to me is their entire strategy was the opposite of what Mac Brown did. So therefore, I'm all on board. Because like Mac Brown, we recall, you know, he'd have his class locked up by July and then he'd just park it in the top five yeah, and I mean, it would finish Mac, in the top ten. Mac was if, if Charlie's doing the opposite of Mac, good. It's a good class. Well, Mac was recruiting like from the womb, right? It was like, well, he's been committed for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you count the prenatal, he's, he's been with us for a long time. He's a Texas. He's, it's a Texas family. I'm just out here busting my butt recruiting. The, on these on these kids who've been committed for six years now, and they were also this was also like the I think they were the highest rated high, finished with the highest ranking of any program in the state, which is yes, yeah, and it, in the yeah. Big Twelve that probably feels nice to not like get creamed by Texas A and M and not I mean TCU and Baylor both had pretty good days and if Texas had not had a strong signing day, boy. It would not have been fun for them to hear like, hey, TCU's out recruiting you now. Have fun. I mean, with a week to go, they were behind Houston. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was a pretty crucial close. And like yeah, a lot I, of that was planned. Like a lot of it was planned for drama, but still. I went now explain to me how that happens. All right. This is something Bud can shed light on. Because people say, well, they flipped a bunch of people or they, they were going to have something at the last minute. You know, like I want to know. How on earth? Because this is this was an old Florida State thing. Was to leave like three spots, and they're like, "Well, I don't know. If Florida State's going to pull it out this year." And then Bowden on signing day would trot out like eight dudes he wasn't supposed to get at all, and they'd go, "Well, all right, they were at like fifteen, and they ended up at one." Like, how does Texas do that and completely flip the script at the last moment? I, I think you really have to trust these kids. If they tell you that that they're coming, you have to put a lot of trust in these guys that they're not going to flip their commitment elsewhere. Uh, because if if you get them to go public with it, then you kind of get to leverage that that public commitment. You, you kind of get to not this is a good thing to do, but it's certainly something that's done. And you say, hey, don't go back on your word. This is Texas. You know, Texans keep their word. Uh, and if they go back on it, there, there's pressure not to do that. That's called the Hank Hill recruiting. <laughs> right. I know you won't go back now, on your word. Now, Bobby. So I, you really got to you got to foster this kind of attitude of, of cohesion between these kids who are going to commit, and then they can say, "Hey, we're going to make a big splash. We're, we're going to get everybody talking about Texas if we all wait and we all do this on signing day." They had what five, six kids they added on signing day who, who people think they probably had locked up for for a couple weeks. Um, I think that's the way you do it. And it's harder to do it now, I think, than it is to do it back in Bobby Bowden's day because there really was no internet back then, back when he was actually recruiting well. Uh, and so you didn't know. A lot of times it wasn't planned back in the day with Bobby Bowden. They weren't all silent. So I think a lot of them were just, hey, I'm going to choose Florida State. But you didn't know that if you were a five-star DB in Ocala doing it, that a kid in Tampa and a kid in Miami weren't also doing it. Nowadays on the internet, you could sit there and watch say, oh, wait a second, maybe I don't want to be the fourth stud cornerback to commit in, in this class. Maybe I'll go elsewhere. Back in the day, they didn't have that option. Back in the and day, Pey- had- Peyton Manning had to call you on the phone. There was somewhere where uh, Charlie Strong said that their whole strategy was don't take commits because then other schools will know exactly who to recruit against. Because like, if a kid comes out and says I'm committed to Texas, well, every school just pounces and says you're playing for the 5-7 and seven team. But if they're still up in the air, then you're able to recruit against them on an even playing field. And it would be funny if somebody were to try that and it, it, uh, it backfired on them. And I think that's important because it, it, 
you got it right. And I saw a lot of people out there misconstruing what Charlie said. And they thought he said, don't take commits because then people will start recruiting him just because they're kids that Texas went after. As if, like, nobody realized these players were good until Texas uh, took their commitment. Yeah, the way he said it was a lot more humble and self-aware. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if you're recruiting against Texas, you don't say that. You're like, did you hear what Charlie said? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he said you he said you weren't shit till he found you. He said Texas yeah. made you. That's what he said. Here's my card. I coach for literally any other school in Texas <laughs> recruiting against it, you. He's I can't believe he said that. Except, Hi, I'm orangebloods.com here. I'm Tom yeah. I'm Tom Rice. I'm definitely not Jeff Ketchum. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not anyone who's transparently working for the school for my own interest. Um, You're not somebody that, okay, uh, never mind. Yeah. Ooh. Yo, we, we oh, can, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways you could go in this, but, I don't, but I'm not going to give you the rope to hang yourself. <laughs> <laughs> for once, I'm going to be the voice of reason. Wow, this is a weird podcast. It's the, right, Coach Spencer. We've, yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked about serious things about recruiting. I don't know what's going on anymore. I need to save. I need to save you for the fourth quarter, son. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask too was a couple of schools. I just want to ask about uh, in short. I mean, just pulling one at random. Uh, you know, just just one at random. Not of interest to anyone on this podcast. Florida. Uh, you know, uh, a new staff, uh, sort of still getting their legs, their sea legs, recruiting wise. Uh, how did they do? In your entirely unbiased opinion, you know they, the the overall class is is fine. They, they signed nine blue chip guys, twenty five overall. They they did legitimately meet a lot a lot of needs numerically. They they, they restocked their depth chart. It's in, in some spots. They 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 got they got some more guys on defense to help them out. They, they signed a really I think a true impact receiver in Tyree Cleveland, who, who was from Jacksonville, had to move to Houston with his aunt, and then ended up coming back to Florida. Uh, they got the quarterback that, uh, as far as I know, that they wanted uh, other than Jacob Eason, who went to Georgia, uh, in Felipe Franks, who is a uh, – I don't think he's like an instant impact type guy, but he definitely has some of the best tools in the class. You watch him in, in the huge arm, fairly athletic for being 6'6". Uh, I, I think that Florida fans, the downside of this is probably that they didn't really close very well. And they had a lot of momentum over the summer. I mean, kids in, in, in this state were talking about Florida, 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 Florida. And then the, the Will Greer – and people said, oh, what they have behind Will Greer? It was like, oh, God, oh, that, that's that's what they have behind Will Greer. Uh, and the momentum just kind of wore off. And it, eventually, you know, some kids started looking at, at Bama more, Florida State more, Georgia more, and they they just weren't able to snowball that momentum and make it last until signing day. Look, Florida had, as we now know, a wide receiver at quarterback. So there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Respectable. So what happens at the college level? Sometimes you just misidentify what position you're supposed to play for, I don't know, seven years. Who's it can happen. S- who's to say why? Yeah. We all, just... we, all, we all crapped on Mac Brown for recruiting quarterbacks as safeties. Maybe Florida recruited some safeties as quarterbacks. Yeah. The, the universe needs balance. Yeah. See? He's I would also say Florida had signed – 12 guys got in early, which I think is the, the largest amount in, in the country. So a lot of these guys are going to be ready to play and play early because they're going to be able to go through spring. You know, Frank's the quarterback, who I don't think is going to be Florida starter this year. He's in for spring. Maybe he'll make big leaps and bounds in, in, in the first spring and be able to play, you know, play there. Chauncey Gardner, who's a really, really athletic, uh, competitive nickel, I think can play safety, can play nickel, maybe can replace Keanu O'Neill. 
uh, can do a lot of good things for you there. And they went heavy on the, on the junior college route. They, they stole a, a corner away from Arkansas at junior college. They got Mark Thompson, who I think is a really good running back uh, out of Dodge City, that Juco in Kansas there. And they got uh, Freaky Hammond's little brother. Remember him? Uh, Josh Hammond oh, yeah. from Hollandale, who's actually, I think, a year younger than his class. So maybe still has more development pen, uh, potential than his quote-unquote senior film might suggest. And they got all those kids in early. Can I also remind you, um, we did get MacArthur Burnett out of uh, – who MacArthur Burnett may be the most important recruit in this class. And hear me out. I, I know he's a running back. That's not exactly our weakest position. But MacArthur Burnett is one from Pahokee. Extremely important in the Florida program. Always have to have at least one dude from Pahokee. The rabbit chasers themselves. And I say that because that's the heritage of the town is to literally chase rabbits when they burn the sugar cane because it's West Palm Beach County. And that's the thing that people still do. Uh, the other thing is that MacArthur Burnett's nickname is Nut Nut. That's, that's his nickname. It's Nut Nut, which you're on the team. You're hired. You're you, in. you can't wait to scream that when, when he returns a punt, can you? <laughs> nope. Nope. It's going to happen. Already happened. Oh, and three, by the way, if he returns that punt, we're getting 15 on the kickoff. Because he's noted for jumping and flipping into the end zone, especially when he doesn't have to. So, so there, that's that's MacArthur Burnett. So everything's fine. Everything's oh, fine. Florida also signed a badass uh, pass rusher named Antonius Clayton out of Dooley County, Georgia. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So we signed a country dude. He's a time traveling Roman gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> who ended up in Dooley County. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Time, time travel sucks. <laughs> Ancient Rome had better water access. That's, that's, why we don't, that's why we don't use this technology. Like, the whole argument that time travel, like, time travel's random, and it only takes you to really rural places. Um, anybody you wanted to ask about, Ryan? Besides, um, you know, the uninvested Florida. Let's... So, so the Pac-12 was pretty quiet. It felt like, I mean, the, just because they didn't have anybody that was like, "Oh man, USC's got a monster class" or whatever. Um, who's like, who, is there a, is there a program that had like a sneaky good day, or is sort of like, eh, you might want to watch out for that that team in a year or two because they're starting to put together some pieces, and they might, you know, out of nowhere, jump uh, a tier or two above their current station out west. I don't know how much how many tiers are going to be jumping, but Stanford uh, put together one of the best classes that David Shaw has ever had. You'll be shocked here. They got a really good pro-style t- uh, quarterback and then also a really good in-line tight end. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. right? And then they added some quality offensive linemen to it. Uh, what Stanford did this year, though, I think is interesting. They did much better at the skill position. They, they, they got some guys... Who can play corner? You know, to, to shore up that back end, uh, they they may still get uh, Demetrius Robertson, who's the by some people the number one player in Georgia. The, the kid is still waiting on him to sign. Uh, and then I think Washington did a really good job as well. They're they're not a top two class in the Pac-12 or anything. That, that's going to be USC, UCLA, just because of the proximity to talent. But uh, Washington getting a kid like Byron Murphy out, out of Arizona, a really nice corner. I think Brandon Wellington is going to be a good linebacker for them. They have some nice pieces in this class, and I'm pretty sure Chris, Chris Peterson knows how to develop talent and make the most of it and knows how to identify kids. So when I see them signing some high-profile kids in addition to the, the, the sort of gems that you always figure Peterson's going to be able to get, those are encouraging signs in Washington. You know who did not have a great 
signing day in Pac-12. That'd be Oregon. Oregon did not have a have a real fun end of the day. And also, I think this week they had a yet another quarterback transfer out of the program. This was a former four star. Uh, yeah, and he's he's going to FCS Towson, which is actually a, a very fine FCS program. It's a fine FCS program, but that's but, not real. But it's that's not, not really supposed to happen. No, it's not great when you bring in a four star who, and, and it's not. I mean, he didn't really even do anything depth chart wise while he was there, but like. There, there, there are some hints that maybe the wheels are starting to come off the Oregon wagon a little bit. Yeah. So what we're what we're saying here is uh, the they brought in an FCS. They just made a, tra- a transaction with the FCS level at the quarterback position. <laughs> so yeah. for next year at quarterback, right? I think we keep an eye on this kid at Towson. <laughs> <laughs> so this so, kid's so gonna have a big year. It's a farm. It's a farm system kind of. It's thing. like soccer. Yeah. When you when you when you sell a player out on loan, he's on loan. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, is this just Oregon just bothering like borrowing people again? All mm-hmm. Oregon does is just loan players now. They're basically an EPL team. God, this is. Oof. And I mean, great. Mark Helfrich yeah, that, does that's have sort of my soccer knowledge takes me. Mark Helfrich does sort of have an EPL coach quality to him. So he does. He just he sort kinda... of he just sort of stands there with his arms folded, and you just sort of like, God damn it. And looks and looks pretty fit. That's true. He looks That's very it. Look, fit. Looks fit. And if I told you that Mark Helfrich was a um, inherently wealthy and mm-hmm. from a noble background, I could believe that too. Um, if he had been involved in like an affair with some sort of like you know like a be- French prime minister's wife or something. exactly, yeah. I would I would believe that as well. And three, if you told me that you know he, he summers on the coast of Del Sol. And spends time with his children, Guillermo and Maximilian. I'd be like, yeah, this is all totally plausible. Why to me. doesn't Oregon have those like fancy airline chairs on their bench? They will. Like that, they're the program that's going to bring that over from soccer to college football, right? Oh yeah, huge chairs, immense, like with the little plexiglass huts. Yeah, they almost look <laughs> like they almost look like Recaro seats. Yeah, a, like they look like racing seats, but. Yeah. Hmm. They'll yeah. have the big plexiglass hut for the entire 100-player roster, so it's like a dome inside the stadium. Is that still like fans don't throw things at them? Is this, oh. your, is this your comfy? Oh, no. They have a little awning that extends over them. So even if you did throw something, it wouldn't matter. It just bounced harmlessly off the top. They're, they're ahead of us on this. They've got this. God, that's brilliant. The other thing... I, yeah, so- Oregon it's not. like it's like a dugout that's not dug into anything. Yeah, hmm. it's an above ground it's a, dugout. It's a it's a dug up is what it is. It is a dug up. That sounds like something Dabo would come up with. <laughs> what hashtag they, dug they up? They tried to dig us down, but we <laughs> dug, dug up. up. We dug up. <laughs> Bring your own dug. You go find a man named Doug and you bring him to Clemson. We'll dug him up. I'll give you. I'll give Watch you. I'll do the dug right now. I'll Damn. give you eight dollars for every dug. Dab. <laughs> Stiff on. Um, I, I did want to ask this. It's a, it's a sensitive question, okay? And this is me. I'm asking like this is like the highest grade of difficulty I can possibly think of, okay? Uh, so I'm going to ask it, which is this, which is, um, hey, hey, bud, how's mm-hmm. how, how's old Miss? How's old Miss recruiting this well? <laughs> uh, I 
I think what did I say on, on the podcast? Ain't played it, buddy. Uh, faith and family. Blessings. Uh, I think is is uh, is the way to go with that one. Bountiful blessings, just like right, so, just like Creflo Dollar. The Lord has entrusted Hugh Freeze as the steward of a blossoming empire of man. man. And, and did you and, hear, did you hear that out of Jason Kirk's mouth? Steve, steward, steward, steward of abundance. He's just laying these blessings at the foot of the cross. All these mustard seeds. So I don't really think Ole Miss. Three fifteen mustard seeds. Hey, but Bud actually has an answer to this. We should let him. All right, I don't think Ole Miss is cheating like that much more than everybody else. Uh, but I think it's more noticeable, or at least fans think it's more noticeable because Ole Miss has never won anything, right? Like in your mind, you could say, "Oh, why did that five starters go to Alabama? Oh, because they have like a billion national titles and they send everybody to the NFL, et cetera, et cetera." And it, it's, you know, you don't have to live in Mississippi. Uh, so, you know, the same thing with with LSU and with all these other schools that sign most of these elite players, maybe with the exception of A and M, which is kind of also that is kind of funny if you think about it. A and M was signing all these studs and they had never won anything, and, and Ole Miss was signing all these studs and everybody's like cheating. Well, but I think part of it's because the in-state talent in, in Texas is more – it's easier to justify as opposed to just – there's not a whole lot of in-state talent in Mississippi. So Old Miss is actually pulling kids who are studs from out of state, and that really gets people fired up. It also was a, much easier for us to just be like, well, this is what comes from that SEC bump, Texas A&M. Welcome. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I, part of it was it was right after Kim Dietschy, which was a, an actual high profile, like even casual fans know who he is, commit. And that was followed by Treadwell and Tunsil kind of just popping up out of nowhere. Oh, from like, Chicago and Florida? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, like with A&M, it's, oh, yeah, there's a five-star quarterback from Houston, you know, right? 1,800 like, miles away in the same state. That makes sense. Yeah. But when it's across seven state lines, that's when you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Also, I, I think it's this, too. I think there is a – if I had to identify the exact percentage of suspicion which people say, I'll miss Chayton. I'm like, okay, I think I know what you're getting at here, which is this. How are you getting this many high-profile young African, African-American athletes to go to Ole Miss? Because this is still an issue, right? This is – because it's Ole Miss. It's Ole Miss. It's the, it's the school that has literally the worst reputation historically. But they have at least – on its on its face, attempted to do something about that, which probably matters. Big time, big time. Now, I mean, this is not uh, again. This is not me saying that that's the way things are now. This is the reputation, and when people want to be suspicious for any reason, uh, this, this this is one of the things that I think lurks in the back of people's mind. Beautiful. Let's do questions. Yeah. Let's start. Bud has a good. It, it's a good segue because it's about recruiting, and it's perfect for Bud because he just gets to be hateful. So, Bud, let's start with your question. All right, this is from uh, Ben Briner, uh, who works for the state newspaper in uh, South Carolina. He says, "Of all fan bases insisting recruiting rankings don't matter, which is the saddest?" Parentheses outside Purdue. That is sad, man. Oh, aren't, aren't we all outside Purdue in some sense? It, Indiana was just dabbing <laughs> on those guys in the Lord willing. It was, oh, did you did you see that our, our Indiana blog ran an article shit talking someone about football recruiting and that someone was Purdue and it was actually factually correct. Oh. Was, you know what? Good. That's that's rough. Every, that's also, every, everybody needs everybody needs one enemy that they're confident they could kill. 
Like, you need that in your life. I'm not saying you're going to go out and kill them, but you need one person that you know is out there in the world that you're like, if I had to, and if it came to it, I would choke the life out of that motherfucker. Yeah, and mine, Purdue mine, is that for Indiana. My, so my, who is Purdue's? My, yeah, who is Purdue's? No one. Purdue, like, yeah, it's not Purdue. Purdue, Purdue has Kansas, Purdue but has they the, don't really play. Purdue has the Swiss Guard. <laughs> I think I think I think it go to overtime, but I think Purdue could <laughs> the be the military of Liechtenstein. <laughs> oh, it's rough. It's bad. It's super bad. I've wanted, and I've wished nothing but ill on Purdue fans, just because I were in Indiana fans for a, for a long time, because I saw them accosting a guy in a Purdue T-shirt at the Kentucky Derby one year, and I was like, of all the places, of all the times, display some humanity. It's like three drunk Indiana fans in a year. They won three games taunting a Purdue fan because they beat them in football. But now I understand. I, I've, I haven't been that far down, but I've been to the depths. So I get it. I understand your pain. I forgive you. So, but aside from Purdue, who do we get to laugh at because they get to pretend recruiting doesn't matter because they had a so, bad day? I'm really enjoying the cognitive dissonance going on right now with Michigan State fans who forever told me that recruiting rankings didn't matter. And for them, they kind of didn't because they still managed to beat Ohio State and Michigan, who pretty clearly out-recruited them on signing day. But now Michigan State has been good enough for so long that they're actually like landing some of these top kids. And so now they're in this weird spot where like, well, these recruiting rankings don't matter. But we're going to celebrate uh, just based on what this the, the image and, and the, what, what this looks like for our program. And I'm like, okay, yep. TCU, uh, kind of the same. Uh, basically, all these schools that have been so good with the quote-unquote sleepers for so long Michigan State, TCU, kind of Baylor. Now they're stepping up and they're starting to actually sign some some more top kids. And it's just funny to watch the fan bases evolve there. Uh, I think South Carolina is a school that will tell you after signing day that recruiting rankings really don't matter, uh, despite the fact that I think the number one thing why you hired Will Muschamp was for recruiting, right? That was kind of the justification. Well, sure, I, I don't winning. know. Are there I, other I, good Are there I other good reasons to yeah. hire Will Muschamp, y'all? No. No. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. What were we talking about? <laughs> and then, Surely uh, there are lots of good reasons. I guess Mississippi State, too. I, I, I got an argument Mississippi State fans a couple weeks back. I, I said, I think Dan Mullen's a good recruiter. And like, well, well, look at his results. And I was like, well, yeah, look at where the school's located. Like, he, he doesn't have a, you know, eight zillion ton forklift that can just move Starkville somewhere else. Uh, and their fans seem to think it doesn't matter either, but they kind of keep finishing last in, in, in the West and in, in recruiting and, and not not all that close to the top and actually on the field. So I mean, if, if, if those schools are moving up into sort of accepting that recruiting matters because they're finally uh, better at it, uh, who's moving down who's and is saying, oh, we've, we've sworn off this stuff? Uh, I feel like Nebraska fans are kind of getting there. I mean, it's been about... Uh, not not a full decade yet, but they're they're kind of getting to where they don't sign a whole lot of elite kids. Although I do like their class an awful lot, and it was a top twenty five class. It was uh, the best said, division, for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, although that is still would be what <laughs> fifth or worth, sixth in, in the Big Ten. Not worth much. <laughs> <laughs> I think Penn State fans are uh, a group that has been telling me now about their sleepers in their class for for an awful lot. And, and I feel like A&M fans are not caring about recruiting quite as much anymore now that they're not doing quite so well on it. Good. Yeah, those make sense. When, when, when James Franklin is like the, the whole thing about him is, oh, he can bring in top 15 classes. And then you look at the teams, which scholarship issues and all. Sure, sure, sure. 
but then maybe you say, eh, maybe we should go back to the top 40 classes. We like those better. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, whose question is next? Who wants to go next? I'll go next. This is from Dakota Moyer at Dak Moyer on Twitter. Which one of these is the most Florida pet? Gator, anaconda, or tiger? Um, mm. The knee-jerk reaction here is to say alligator, although I, I don't think that's correct. I think, you know, certainly as Spencer and Bud and I can all attest, there are alligators all over the damn state of Florida. And, and to the point where there is no public place where an alligator can show up and you are surprised. Like, if you went to a food court at a mall and they were like, oh, yeah, it's closed. We got an alligator over at the Panda Express. You'd be like, nope. yeah, that sounds not, right. Yep, not surprised. That happens. You just you just got to, you know, let him amble on out of there. He's not harming anybody. He just wants some orange chicken. Um, I think the answer to this is tiger because gators and snakes are fairly common in Florida in the wild. Anacondas in part because – People buy, brought them as pets and then said, uh-oh, I can't deal with this, and left them like some sort of venomous Moses. Um, <laughs> but tigers are the ones that have no place in the state, don't make sense there, must require an, uh, an unusual level of bribery or fraud or uh, shipping um, flimflamery to acquire, and are Easily, the, I feel like the ones that people are going to be the most reckless with. Like, I would definitely, uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked to read a story about like, oh yeah, this guy flipped his Jeep because he was riding with a tiger in the passenger seat and it attacked him. Mm, that's, yeah. that's some real Florida yeah. pet shit. Another also, thing about tigers in Florida, they just keep faking field goals on you. <laughs> I, hate, I hate you so much. I haven't done anything to you this week. Just sorry. So sorry. It, He's just mad because Falcons couldn't get that transitive Super Bowl. We came, we came, we came uh, fifteen points away. It's just negative fifteen transitive Super Bowl champs. Listen, man, when when you get Matt Ryan for that many years in a row, it's like eating vanilla ice cream for like a month straight. Not even, not even the good vanilla ice cream. You're like, no, some waxy. Hold shit. Hold on, Walgreens has their own brand of ice cream now, <laughs> and you and you get to eat it for seven years. I mean, he tweets about Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, like the, oh, in Atlanta. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh wow. It's not fit anymore, dude. This is my 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 favorite thing about Matt Ryan is that if Matt Ryan were to walk around Atlanta like Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has absolutely no Q rating here whatsoever. Like I think he would have to go. I, I think I've we've mentioned this before. A Panera in Sandy Springs. That's where Matt Ryan would get polite. Like, hello, sir. If you go to a, <laughs> if you go to a Falcon like an average Falcons game, how many people there are wearing Matt Ryan jerseys or shirts or whatever? It's all Julio. I'll I'll, t- I'll break it down. <laughs> it, it, our, our three most popular players are um, the Bama player, the punter, and the fullback. If if that ain't SEC, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though <laughs> i've never seen anyone in a matt ryan jersey no i don't i don't think that's indicative because I, I tend to tune them out but still that's my my testimony is that i've never seen anyone in a matt ryan jersey we'll buy uh, only falcons jersey i've ever needed is dion so we'll, we'll buy one for elena it's fine go knows <laughs> I, I agree on the tiger by the way i, I think it's just it, it's it's very indicative of our state's total lack of, of regulation. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I actually don't think it's illegal to own a tiger in the state. 
Nope. Like, uh, Florida, Florida, I believe, requires some crude licensing. If you want a state that doesn't require any licensing for an exotic cat at all, Oklahoma. You can just you can just basically keep one in your backyard. But tiger is definitely a thing you get arrested for on like a zoning violation or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So be like, oh, you didn't, you didn't. I'm sorry, you didn't, uh, you didn't properly declare this before the homeowners association. You got to register and, your illegal tiger. And what do tigers eat in Florida? Key deer? Man, they just eat meat. You just got to get as much meat as you. All right, my Taco great, Bell. My my wife's uncle when he was at med school at Tulane, they stole the LSU tiger. This was back like we're talking like sixty years ago now. Okay, uh, fifty or sixty. They stole the LSU tiger, and they said the problem with it wasn't that you know getting it around or handling it. The problem was putting it in a garage and then trying to keep it from roaring and alerting the neighbors because <laughs> it was roaring and alerting the neighbors and they literally like they couldn't throw enough steak they were like ultimately it became an economic issue because <laughs> it would it would roar but it was hungry because it was used to being fed they're like it was a perfectly fine tiger it was just chill it was just a a big cat you know that wasn't any more or less hostile than you imagine a, a really big cat would be but still they, they were out of money they couldn't feed it anymore <laughs> It's a smart tiger. This is the best part of the whole thing. What happened? Well, we let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I never got any further detail other than that. Man. I'm sure some publics took it in. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question. This is from Gimme Grits. Gimme Grits. Could a guinea pig ever be a four-star capybara? Or are they too undersized? Well, I, I don't think I don't think you're going four star, but I do think you send that you send that guinea pig to JUCO, you know, make sure he gets the grades, uh, bulks up a little bit, have him go play for Bill Snyder, boom, quarterback. So you're saying he would uh, be classified as an athlete? Absolutely. I I, I want to go ahead and just make clear the schools that we are saying could develop this. But what what schools what schools are going to get us there? I feel like Baylor could probably take him and run the Wildcat no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan's totally right on on Kansas State. Let's see. I, Jimbo would probably get him drafted. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jim, Jimbo would get him that signing bonus. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like a third rounder. He'd be like, I don't know, man. A, a, a guinea pig slash capybara. I, I, well, but it, on the whiteboard, he was pretty good. I, I, I don't know. I could see, like, the guinea pig – committing to Syracuse, being buried on the depth chart, having like getting called up, having to play two games at quarterback, be like, wow, guinea pigs really got really got something, and then shredding an ACL. Mm, that's it. Just about Buffalo Bills falling mm-hmm. for him again mm-hmm. and again and again. <laughs> well, if nothing else, I mean, Georgia could turn him into someone with one very specific special teams duty. They would, can do that with anybody. Would he be welcome at Minnesota? Hmm. Yeah, like blend in among the gophers. Yeah, just get fat on dilly bars. Mm. So, so, but yeah, that's a question of: Are they going to get mad because he's trying to uh, trying to claim gopherness when yeah. he doesn't have the essence? <clears throat> but then he runs that wheel route, <laughs> and it all falls away. Tell, yeah, they're oh my gosh! It's a literal. It's a literal wheel route. I'll also state this too: He's going to have to put on a lot of weight. Capybaras. How much do you think a capybara weighs? Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna 60. say seventy pounds maybe. 
70 pounds. So Bud's got 60. Jason, your capybara bet on weight. What do we have so far? Uh, 60 and 70. Uh, hmm. uh, I'll go 50 then. You go, th- dude. They can weigh like anywhere between 70 and 100. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that is a ro- actually that's males a big fella. Can, males can get up to 150. That is a robust rodent. Wow. Yeah. Which if basically if they also look haughty as hell. Like people are like, ooh, that's just a big rat. I'm like, no, look at them. So what I'm hearing is if we want the guinea pig to become a capybara, has to train with Peyton Manning's wife. <laughs> that's, that's, that's CGH. That's like it went to the capybara's house, but that doesn't say anything about whether the capybara <laughs> got it or not. Maybe the capybara's wife wasn't feeling as confident as she once did. Okay. Go Vols. Oh, did you see uh did you see the statistic that Peyton Manning has beaten every NFL and college football team that he has played. He's mm-hmm. beaten them at least once. Except, uh, except, for, except for except for Florida. It's always <laughs> ruining something. He can never undo it. Don't hey, hey, don't push your luck, brother. He can never undo it. If I, he, like he comes back as coach to replace Bush Jones. Just so he can, he can get a winner for Florida. Doesn't. And, then it, and then he loses six in a row. <laughs> God damn it. Worth, worth it. And then T. Martin comes in as the interim coach. And just T. Martin just <laughs> nat- <laughs> wins the national title. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, he did it with Peyton's players. I don't feel like our program has the same class we had under Peyton. If you know what I mean. And just the same class. And then in his last year at Tennessee, of course, Peyton loses the national championship to Michigan head coach Charles Woodson. <laughs> This comes to us from Yargo Not on Twitter, I believe. Starts with a J. Uh, Bud ever done the Python challenge? And I'll direct that one straight to Bud in part because I do not I am not Florida enough to know what the Python challenge is. Oh, I, Spencer and I know what this is. Yeah, no, this is the this is the hunt. The big we almost uh, did this. This is oh, we, this we, is we couldn't thing. get the editorial okay. plan together. This is, remember this? this is state, yeah. this is state like twenty eleven. Yeah, yep, this this was, so I was going to go on on challenge, even though I, I, I just now learned what it is. Yeah, yes. you just you just didn't know it by this name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they so only captured like twenty, right? Total, I think in that in that hunt out of like thousands of people who did it, which yes. is not a very good ratio. Yes, because remember why the python is so supremely Floridian. Not only is it huge. And and just just uh, a, just a menace to the ecosystem it's in. It's also extremely hard to kill or track. <laughs> it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to detain. It's off it, the grid. Uh, in <laughs> in 2013, the python hunt captured 68 invasive snakes. Out of how many entrants? Well, they had 1,600 people, <laughs> and according to this National Geographic Geographic article, it says. Nearly 1,600 people from 38 states, most of them inexperienced hunters, registered. No. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like, you just really, like, here's what you just need to learn in life. Is that don't don't wait to be qualified because you know what? No one else is. No one. Like, like no one. No one is waiting to be qualified. Florida is just proof of this. People just show up. You learn by doing. Or by That's also a really bad place to, to like to accidentally shoot yourself or somebody like on an airboat in the middle of the Everglades. You're you're probably not gonna make it. Yeah, but that's, no, that's, that's gonna happen whether or not the state. It'll make you live it. forever. 
Yeah, just dip dip yourselves in the cleansing water. Of the Purify Earth. yourselves in the healing water <laughs> of Lake Okeechobee. Lake Okeechobee. <laughs> Bullshit. I was going to say, listen, if that agricultural runoff doesn't turn you into a mutant on the spot, you're good. <laughs>